um, our goal and desire is not in most things to be openly defiant. Um, I say most things because every once in a while we pick our spots, or I do. Um, but at the same time, we also know that we have guests periodically, and we thank God for that. And uh, I don't know that they're really concerned either, to be honest, because they are willing to make the trip and join with people they may not have met or known and realize they're coming because they're hungry. And the reality is, thankfully, if we, if we just had one service, it probably wouldn't work right now anyway. Uh, just from a space constraint issue. Um, and so that's a good problem. And so this is simply serving to help us make adjustments as we need to, and we'll keep going forward. Amen? And so, praise God, we walk in faith. Every time we come together, uh, we take the gathering of people under the authority of the Word of God, under the authority of His stripes and His blood and His name. And I believe His covering is on every time we come together. I have great faith in that because of the Word of God. Amen? And so it's wonderful to be here tonight with you. Uh, it's wonderful, as always, uh, when we have Bishop and Sister Schoonover with us in their busy schedule. And uh, so Bishop ministered on Sunday in Union Gap, and he had made a statement to me in a brief conversation we had Sunday night, and it has just stayed with me all week. And I'd ask him if... Uh, if he had planned on being here tonight, I'd like him to take some time. Um, I don't know what direction he's going to go, so that's why I'm not saying what he talked about. I don't want to pin him into a corner or anything. But uh, not that I think I'd do that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we're glad they're here tonight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this over to Bishop. If he wants to have Sister Schoonover take some time, he can do that as well. And amen. God bless you. Or you want me to? God bless you. Good to be here. I may have been on a tangent for a while. <clears throat> it seems like there's times when things linger from week to week, no matter where I happen to be. and uh, Or the Spirit of God just keeps talking about the same thing, or at least in the same venue. <clears throat> I'm looking around this room, and I'm seeing a diversity of um, knowledge of the, of the Bible, diversity of knowledge. I'm, <clears throat> I want to be as clear and plain tonight. I, I know that there are many of you here whose revelation in the Word of God has taken you quite a way down the road. <clears throat> what I want to share with you tonight is uh, in hopes that it will help you to explain. Sometimes we get stopped in conversations. We stall. We have an idea and an indication and a direction, and we know for ourselves. But then to begin to share with somebody, sometimes methodically, hopefully in a way that they will be able to follow. Years ago, I got involved in teaching a specific Bible study. It was all scripture, but it was a repetition of many scriptures that led people to an expected end. Now, I did it so many times that I began to memorize that I didn't even have to look at the chart anymore or the list of scriptures. As soon as we would begin reading one scripture... I knew what the next one was that we were heading to, and so it became very, uh, it became much easier for me to lead somebody in a direction through the Scripture, 
to an expected end. What I realized over time was it became a part of me. In other words, my thought process, process, processes were shaped in a direction. And so as time went on, going back and looking closer at the details of the settings of Scripture, it began to blossom and bloom. Okay? I think I've come to the place where I don't have to dash back into the scriptures and say, hold on a minute, wait a minute, ah, there's, you know, and then come back because I've been through it enough times in conversation that I can comfortably, that's where I want us to get, where I can comfortably with a confidence because of a working knowledge of what's there. Okay, now, there were times in Scripture when men did this. I'd like, are we able to put Scripture up? Uh, book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 28. I've, it's interesting. One day my uh, youngest daughter said, uh, was, was sharing an encounter with me. She had listed something on offer up, and, you know, she meant to meet the people, to buy a desk, a chair, a couch, whatever it was. And they would end up in the front yard for an hour and a half. And she would share the ministry that took place between them, you know. And I remember her saying to uh, my wife and I one night, I think this is a ministry God's giving me. Welcome to the club. So through the courses of life, you find yourself in not just uh, conversation, but in settings to minister. So, such has been the course for my life, at least in these last 10 years that I know of. I, I don't know if I told you about a listing I did on Craigslist one day. My, my wife's cousin gave us some hardwood flooring in Yelm. I had to drive to Yelm to get this hardwood flooring. Loaded it in the back of my truck, brought it back to Sela, and I didn't want to load it up into the attic. She thought the wood was too light for anything that she was going to want. So I said, let me just list it on Craigslist and see if I can get rid of it before... I would have to load it, unload it by myself up in the attic of the shop. <clears throat> the first call that came, I talked with a guy from the Willamette Valley in Oregon, okay, for a little while. And then the next person that contacted me, there was a feeling associated with it. Now, I've experienced it before, so I knew the feeling. Okay, this is not about the wood. I'm going to, if this thing plays out and I come into contact with this man, I have this feeling this is not about the wood. And that's what played out. The first guy bailed because he didn't have time to come get it. The next guy from Terrace Heights, he came out. Lo and behold, he is the pastor and was the pastor at my grandmother's church that I had went and repented in when I was 22 years old. Now, this is no coincidence. Now, I know this when I'm standing there. And then he and I get the dialogue, and we're out there probably for an hour, hour and a half. <clears throat> and so, these are, again, these are indicators. And so, I was remaining as sensitive as I could for every word that I had to share with him. I didn't know if there's going to be a tomorrow. I don't know if there's going to be a week or a month down the road, a second encounter, I don't know. So now I know every word that I share is important. There's going to be nothing casual in this. And so that's how it played out. I believe that 
These are the days of our lives. And that's not a TV show. Those are my words. These are the days of our lives. And as believers, this is, our, this is what we are to become in our life. We are written epistles known and read of all men. Now, let's go to this particular setting. Book of Joel, this is way back in the Old Testament. This is a prophecy that was given. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens. In those days will I pour out of my spirit. In those days will I pour out of my spirit. Verse 30. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, Blood and fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great, terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Now, we're going to read this same scripture in the New Testament because this is the Scripture that Peter quoted, the day that the Holy Ghost was outpoured, this is what the Spirit of God brought to the lips of the Apostle Peter. Did I say David? The Apostle Peter, and he quoted this Scripture. Now, the only difference here was where it said, and who shall, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Peter says, and the he that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay? Now, before we go to that setting, I want to find a middle way point. That's the book of Luke. Chapter 24 at verse 47. Luke was also the writer of the book of Acts. Now, as you're listening here, I'm just going to t- touch a couple of areas here. <clears throat> Again, as I pass through these scriptures over and over, I begin to realize this is a story that is leading people to an expected end. And as people gain an understanding of this, they don't go and pull one scripture out of context and base their whole salvation on it. You realize some people have read that scripture and said, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, so how do you do that? Well, you know, you, you, you accept Christ. You uh, ask Jesus into your heart. You, and you can, as I shared on Sunday, you can go all through the valley and visit various groups. And they will all give a different answer. I asked the Lord into my heart when I was, uh, you know, 10 years old. Or I knelt by the bedside. Or I did whatever somebody instructed me to. Just make a decision. Now, they, this, is the, this is how short it's become, a decision for Christ. Have you made a decision for Christ? When I was a teenager, it was, are you saved? That was a long time ago. Have you accepted Jesus into your heart? I can, I can just in my mind hear all of these things that I've heard through the years because of <clears throat> some of it relatives and different ones, relationships with people, connections to churches. And when I was 22 and I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I started going back through the scripture trying to find the basis of my salvation. And I didn't find the things that some of those well-meaning people shared with me and led me to because that's what they had been led to. And I'm bewildered in that some people have based it so strongly, it makes me think you would have to have tore out the book of Acts out of your Bible. Literally. You'd have to skip past the ending of Luke and tear out the book of Acts in order to base your foundation on the word of God. Because you have skipped all of this other. Which we'll talk about in just a minute. So 
the, the writer Luke wrote the book of Luke and went on and wrote the book of Acts. And so Jesus has ministered now three and a half years. He has been crucified. He's risen from the dead. And for 40 days, he is showing himself alive, the Bible says, to above 500 people. 500 witnesses see him, hear him speaking. They know he is resurrected and he is alive. Now, he is getting ready to ascend. These are the last words that he's leaving with his apostles and others because there was 500 that were there at the ascension. And so he is leaving them with some communication, some direction, some instruction. And he's going until he returns. You suppose it was just a casual moment? Hey, man, it's going to be, you know, hey, I'm leaving for a while, guys. You know, you're kind of on your own. And do your best, man, you know. I was here, I taught you for three and a half years. You think it was that, you know, casual? No, the things that he spoke to them were really important, and he actually commanded them. And so, let's go back to verse 46. Or What does 46 say? That's right before 47. <laughs> okay. And said unto them, thus it is, now this is, and said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of the Father of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Now, from this point, he ascended on the Mount of Olives. Now, I've, I've been to Jerusalem, and you look across the Kidron Valley, and there's the Mount of Olives, also referred to as Mount Olivet. That's where he ascended and left them. And so now they've been told to go to Jerusalem, which is a Sabbath day's journey. Now, that, that sounds like, I mean, a Sabbath day's journey, whatever that is. Well, I can tell you, you can look across the Kindred Valley. You can see Olivet and you can see Jerusalem. It ain't that far. And so they left and they went to Jerusalem. And as had already been arranged, they made their way to an upper room. And begin to pray, wait on God. He told them to wait for the promise of the Father, that they would be endued with power after that the Holy Ghost would come upon them. And so this significant experience that was going to take place was going to happen there. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. In the earlier part of Acts 2, the Holy Ghost has already been outpoured, okay? I'm not going to take the time to describe the setting of Passover, not who was there, why they were all there, and all that. There were people there that received the Holy Ghost, okay? So now this gets noised abroad, and others are drawn into the situation, and however they were acting that received the Holy Ghost, there were some that perceived or in their mind thought, these people are drunk. 
because people, Peter makes this reference. He says, these men are not drunk, as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So we see this is the fulfillment, them receiving the Holy Ghost of all those things that uh, jo- uh, Joel had spoken, or the, the prophecy in Joel, all right? Now, remember, it was in jo- Joel that it was said, whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be delivered. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Now, he had communicated a lot of history, and then he was uh, affirming to them that this man who had just been crucified 40 days ago, or 46 days, 47 days ago now, and the city was in an uproar, and there was division among the people. Some followed, some didn't. Some believed, some didn't. And so there was this great division. And so now he is giving a discourse of the things that just happened and led them up into this moment and then shows by the prophecies of Scripture that this was the Christ. This is the one we were waiting for. Well, between the inspiration that came to Peter and the words God gave to him of the Scriptures to communicate to them It brought conviction in this moment. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said, Dude, what do we do? No. Men and brethren, they are convicted. They're pricked in their heart. Some, I would say, probably with tears. What do we do? Verse uh, 38, very familiar portion here. Peter answers the question. Then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The calling on the name of the Lord that would bring salvation happens in the waters of baptism. You, you can't just take pieces, and this is the challenge that we have in in our conversations with people, either they've had such a limited knowledge of what's there, which would limit their understanding and limit their walk with God because they're walking with a faith in some words, but they've not lived in the experience of an indwelling Holy Ghost, new birth, born again. Now, I'm doing this backwards from Sunday, a little bit. Now, let's go back. I've never seen this before. I mean, it was there and it's in black and white, but I just never, my attention was never drawn to it. A couple of months ago, I was talking about spiritual influence. Some of you may have been here. I'm not talking about positive spiritual influence. I'm talking about negative spiritual influence. And I submitted to you that when I came to God, I was probably dragging demons into the church with me because of the lifestyle that I had lived. And when you read the scripture, the Bible speaks of there were many at times, there were many that were possessed with devils. Now, we, we, you, can, you can spend time talking about devil possession and, and spiritual influence, demonic influence. There's quite a range, okay? But when Jesus and his disciples got in the boat to go to the other side, they went to the Gadarenes. When they landed on the other side, there was a man who was living among the tombs. He was naked among the tombs. He was out of his mind. They would, they would try to bind him with chains, and he would break the chains. And so he's referred to as the demoniac of Gadara. But yet in this encounter, something happens. Now, 
it does not, uh, there's not a lot of dis- uh, description in the encounters of the words between him and the Lord with this exception. The spirits that are in this man, this possessed man, they cry out and speak to Jesus. Are you going to cast us out of the country? Um, I don't remember the portion exactly, the part that... Uh, refers to him being called legion because we are many, all right? But it becomes clear there is a lot of spiritual influence going on in this guy's life. Again, look at the, all the indicators. He is a lunatic. We'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. He is out of his mind. He's crazy. He, he can't keep clothes on. All this spiritual activity in his life causes him to want to disrobe. Think about that for a minute. I've seen people in society, they can't keep clothes, they can't keep themselves covered. They think they're fully dressed. And they, they can't keep themselves covered. It bothers them. They don't know why. That's just how I dress. Mm-hmm. You should get dressed. It speaks of a time when he began to cut himself. When I hear of these situations where teenage girls are found with razor blades cutting in their skin and trying to explain why it is because they somehow want to feel something or the the myriad of explanations. But these men, just like the prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel that started to cut themselves because the spirit that they worshipped and were interacting with somehow brought, uh, was gratified by this action. Now, I know I'm, I'm, I'm bringing all of these little points out of this little story about Jesus landing on that shore. But, but when the when the spirits cried out and said, let us go into that herd of swine. He said, go. It didn't take an all night prayer meeting. He said, go. They went. Obviously, in my opinion, it's obvious. There were spirits of suicide. Now, what's interesting is. Maybe I said this before, but the will of a man is stronger than a thousand devils. A thousand devils couldn't keep one man who willed to go and be with Jesus. But yet, when those devils transferred, left and went into that herd of swine, I guess swine don't have a will. They ran off a cliff and drowned themselves in the water. So, you see all these influences that were affecting this man. The beautiful thing is, the next thing we read about is him sitting clothed and in his right mind. And so the scripture, again, reading back from that scenario, paints the picture to let us know. something When, when, the, when those influences left his life, he changed. He was clothed. He was in his right mind. He wanted to go and be with Jesus. He said, let me go with you. Right? Now, the demoniac of Gadara is not saved. He's had an, an encounter with God. He has had an experience with God. He is not redeemed. He's not blood-bought. He is not... Uh, he already, already said redeemed. He's not saved. He's not born again. Now, an individual who in, ex- experiences those encounters and then some well-meaning person w- who might advise them, now, let, now ask Jesus to come into your heart. 
they may head into their life now testifying of the change that came to them. Testifying of the obvious deliverance and change that came to them. But from the scripture, all they can do at this point is mimic the life of Christ. Now, you say, well, what's wrong with that? Shouldn't we be like Jesus? No. We should be born of water and of the Spirit, and then however it is that God would manifest himself through our lives, that's what we should be. But yet we are living in a world and a society filled with people, religious in their experience, mimicking the things of God or the things of Christ. Reading in the word of God, you should be this. You should be loving. You should be forgiving. You should have sympathy. You should have empathy. And and yes, those things are true when they are a product of the spirit, the indwelling spirit of God. Now, Joel said what was going to happen in the last days, the pouring out of God's spirit. Luke's writings near the end of the book of Luke tell us when these things were going to transpire. That forgiveness was going to be preached in his name beginning in Jerusalem. So we read on into the book of Acts because it followed Luke. And we see it's reiterated in Acts chapter 1. And then go on into Acts chapter 2. We see the Holy Ghost is outpoured. People begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives them the utterance. As we read on into the epistles, we see Paul teaching how we walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And so we find a life in Christ, which is spiritual in its nature. Okay. A study of the word of God, we begin to understand the blood that has to be applied. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. There's that word remission again. Remission comes in the name of Jesus. How do we apply and call upon the name of Jesus? It's in the waters of baptism. That's when the blood is applied. I'm now positioned to receive the gift of God and be born of the Spirit. Do you know what's going to happen when Jesus comes back? The Bible says it's that spirit that's going to get me off the ground. Now, many times in Scripture, in the book of Acts again, I encourage you to go back and read through. Spend time just reading slowly and letting the Lord talk to you. But many times in the book of Acts, there were people who were, had started on the path. They were in the journey. And they came to a, a stall, a halt. There was a man that had been in Jerusalem who had left Jerusalem and was on his way home. He was there at Passover. He was on his way home, and the Lord sent Philip, leave Samaria, go out into the desert. He sees a man in a chariot. Join yourself to that man. The man is in the chariot reading the Bible. The scroll, Isaiah. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? Not really. You know, he didn't say, oh, yeah, yeah, I go to a church down the street. I just, you know, don't bother me. He said, I could use your help. And he joins him in the chariot. And from that point in the scripture, he leads him on the way and preaches unto him Jesus. 
And the, and the Bible says that. And when he comes across water, the man says, what does hinder me to be baptized? How did that come into the conversation? Because Philip knew. Look, let me bring you through the Old Testament. Let me show you where you've been, where we've been. And now here's where we are now. This is what happened in Jerusalem. This is how we apply the blood of Jesus Christ. And he says, so what about me? And they go down into the water and he's baptized. Here's my point. Well, let's talk about Cornelius. Cornelius is a man, a Gentile man, in Acts chapter 10. And he has a love for God. But he doesn't know really what God or who God is. He just has a love for what he believes to be God. God sees it. He sends an angel. So here's, here's Cornelius. And he's, you know, just doing what he knows to do. Right? And an angel visits him and says... Listen, there's another guy up the road, guy in Joppa, guy by the name of Peter, abides at Simon the Tanner's house. Go get him. He will tell you what you need to do. You see this pattern over and over and over again. God intersecting the lives of people, just like you and I, so that with the truth that we've gotten, we can help bring them along. Let me help you. Bring you further. Let me help you. Bring you up a little higher. There's more for you. Don't stop where you're at. Here's what we do. Church comes into the conversation. God, church, something. Something comes into the conversation. And here's what we do. Oh, you already go to a church. You think that's when the conversation should end. Oh, they already go to a church. Yet the pattern's repeated over and over throughout the book of Acts that God leads people to other people. You realize he didn't allow for the angel just to tell Cornelius what he needed to do? The Apostle Paul, he's on the road to, da, to Damascus and the bright light and the blinding and, you know, what do I do? He says, go into Damascus and it will be told you there what you need to do. The Lord himself talking to him. He could have said, look, dude, you need to, get, you need to repent. You need to stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> you need to turn to me. You need, he could have told him. You need to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And I will fill you with the Holy Ghost. He could have done that. No. He has to send the person, Ananias, to go and pray for him. And he prays for him. and He receives his sight. Now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. And the, the message doesn't change. Because, Paul, I know you've been a religious dude. You've been in the ministry all your life. But the blood still hasn't been applied. The New Testament application of the blood has not been applied. There's no, like, circumventing. And, no, no, no. He's already a pastor. Man, give me some of them. He's doing that lately. Put me in their company. Let's talk about the Scripture. I got up one morning, and that guy that bought the wood, the hardwood, sent him a text and said, Don, I've been praying for you. Really? He said, I'm at the church right now. I'm studying for the message for tomorrow. Good. I'm praying that God give you the words to speak. Now, he and I are going to meet. Now, I know where we're going. I, I want to know it's the right time to go there. I know where we're going. Again, listen to me. The expanding of your knowledge of the Scripture will bring you to a place in confidence in God, but also in what God will do with you. Will give you peace 
in the company of the governor. Well, maybe the mayor. He will give you peace in the company of your boss. He'll, he'll give you peace to talk with anybody, anywhere, anytime. There's nobody, there's nobody too significant or too important. There's nobody insignificant. Everyone is a soul. Everyone is a soul. I don't know how this has come out to clear. I don't know if this has been clear to you tonight or not. I, my prayer to God is that you gain a peace with God to share everywhere. To share everywhere. And to know the scripture in a way that you know. There's only one path. There's only one direction. There's only one message. The message was repeated over and over again. People were brought to the same eternal truth for their salvation. Here, let me, let me, I take a minute or two here. <clears throat> this, this is an important point. I was in a situation in a dentist. I went in to have some work done when they tried to numb my Jaw, it would not numb. I was two hours. Kept giving me shots. Finally, they said, okay, we're going to give up. We're going to reschedule you. So I went home, and I'm telling you, it took me a long time to get over that. Well, a month later, I went back, and now I'm kind of quivering puppy here. I don't, we don't have to do that again, do we, the same way? Well, no, it'll be okay, you know. And so they start in, and they start giving me these shots again. And they say, okay, let's put some water and air in there. <laughs> the drilling was fine. It was the cold water and the cold air. And so they said, okay, pull their tools out. I'm going to have to give you a referral. What that meant was we're not going to continue working with you. We're going to send you elsewhere. Now, listen to me. Somewhere back in my life, I started getting on airplanes that were either canceled or diverted. And I came to the place that I realized whenever there was a cancellation or a diversion or getting me on a different plane sitting next to a different person, my spiritual ears would perk up and I'd start paying attention. And there's been several times, many times I could share with you where I was given a season to witnessing to somebody on an airplane that I would not have been there hadn't been canceled or diverted or whatever. Okay, so now, uh, this is new, this dental diversion. This is new. But again, I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. He's the boss. Whatever he says goes, leads me to, right? So, this is now... A month and a half now goes into two months. They, what they did was they just sent me across the hallway. And the, the, there's two dentists in the same building. So now I leave one side. Now I go to the other side. And they're saying, okay, we'll schedule you. We'll get you in there. And so they scheduled me out three weeks. And so I finally come in. And they gave me some gas. Nitrous oxide. It was nice. And so they do their work. I'm, I'm good. I go home two hours later. I'm fine. They've drilled. They've done whatever. They're preparing me for two crowns. And so they schedule me now three or four weeks out from there. So I come back on that day, and the strangest conversation takes place. This nurse, the dentist is not in there. It's just this one lady. And she starts, and she knows the horror story. Oh, I heard. Wow, that was something. And she starts saying, listen, I want to convince you today to not use any anesthesia. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I've been doing this for 18 years. And I'm, I'm just telling you, we can do this. I want you to be able to go about your day. 
I want you to be able to continue to eat and talk. Now, this is what's interesting. I know the last time I walked out of that office, my face was like a rock. I couldn't talk to anybody, right? And so she wants to do this work, no anesthesia, and they're going to spray cold air in my mouth. Well, I thought, okay, I'm going to trust you. But I, now in behind, I'm praying for her. God bless her. God help her. God help her. And so she is spending all this time. She pulls out the temporary, and everything was fine. No pain. You okay? Yeah. In this process, the dentist is elsewhere. She's, she and I are talking. Uh, we had a COVID conversation. And in that COVID conversation, she, managed, she, she uh, mentioned the position that her church was taking. She brought the word church into the dialogue. And so now, because no anesthesia, I can talk to her. And so I'm asking questions. What was the name of that church that you were at? I'm wanting to see where she is doctrinally. She told me, but she said they left there. Her husband was in the ministry. Uh-huh. He was a youth pastor. Now he's the family pastor, but we're at a different church. Uh-huh. And so God begins to deal with me as I'm sitting there in the chair. Dentist is in my mouth and giving me direction where to go as soon as I can open my mouth and talk. And believe me, at this point in the game, I'm going to do it. I don't care where I'm at. I don't care who's in the room. I'm going to do it. I know this is an appointment. Okay, we're all done. Go ahead and just rinse your mouth out there. Okay. Rinsed out my mouth. And my next words are, have you spent much time in the book of Acts? Well, yeah. I took an Acts class one time. I said, do you remember in the 19th chapter when Paul asked the question? And he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That tells me it's two different experiences. I didn't stop there. I went on with some other historical things about some other churches that I'd been to. And I said, do you know in this other church, they used to teach people that they should receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They don't do that anymore. They just accept Christ. And so now I see I've directed my statement toward this other group. But I know she's thinking running all this stuff for her own. Anyhow, at one point I said, I don't, mean, I don't mean to talk so much. She says, oh, no, that's okay. I don't have any other appointments. And I'm thinking, a dentist office that doesn't have any other appointments? Listen to me. God will clear the schedule. He'll make the time. He'll make the place. We have to speak the words. Sometimes we got to ask the hard questions. Because we know in the end, every individual has to confront their own situation and know in the word of God where they stand before God. I've spoken to people in these last several months that I've known all my life long. Church attenders. You know, in their mind, loving God, living for God, church attenders who ever since in these last six months are questioning their salvation. Our world is full of it right now. We have got to be ready. We have got to be perceptive. We've got to pay attention. And we have to open our mouth. There's another tendency. The, the tendency that I spoke about earlier was the minute somebody says, oh, I go to such and such church, we stop the conversation. They're not going to accept what, what I want to tell them. They already go somewhere. Uh, the other tendency is we want to make people feel good about where they are. You know, you, have you ever heard this one? Hey, how's that? You know, how's that young person doing? Um, well, they are at least they're attending this church. At least they're attending a church. 
ねLet's pray. Father, you see me. You see my life. You, you direct my life, Father. You order my steps. You put your word in my mouth. That was the promise of God. You said not to worry about the words that I would speak. But you would give me the words in the moment. In the moment. We have the words of eternal life. We have the words of eternal life. Living word. Prevailing word. In the name of Jesus, let me live surrendered to you, Father. Let me live surrendered to you, Father. In the name of Jesus. 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 From time to time, uh, we come back and we address this, and we, you know, we we pray for boldness and things like that. All my life long, I have observed a lot of people afraid to talk, afraid to open their mouth when the pre- when the moment's given. You know, it, it happens in such a way. You know, God put you there, and we freeze or we lock up or things like this. Uh, some of it, I'm not going to tag the word fear to it, but we, we just don't have that a confidence to step out and open our mouth and believe that God will give us the right words to say. I, I would like for us to, uh, how can we do this? I want to assemble people across the front of this room. Would you come 